Hello, I'm Ron Cohen. This is the Tax Update Podcast. We're going to go through three or four different subjects today. One is more on cryptocurrency and what you're going to do with all your Fortnite money. Another is about the tax-exempt organization applications. Um, some more on AB5, the independent contract rules here in California, uh, causing a big mess. And I want to let everyone out there know, I, I am no cheerleader for this tax system that we have. Everybody should be able to do their tax return in, oh, 10, 20 minutes uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, the U.S. spends about $600 billion in computing, defending, preparing, filing its tax returns. Now, uh, just, just take a deep breath and put that in perspective for a minute. If you take uh, everything but the top 30 countries in the world in terms of gross domestic product, uh, all of them would fit below, in combination, below $600 billion. So our, our people are spending an amount of money uh, there's 195 countries in the world. So uh, we're spending about the same amount of money as 160 countries in the world are in terms of their total production. It's a complete nonsense, ridiculous uh, thing, but it is what we have to live with and we have to comply with the laws. But uh, again, I just wanted to mention, I uh, don't think that, uh, I think that this is a good thing. I think it is a bad thing. And uh, so first let's go through... Um, some caveats. One, take no reliance on anything you hear on this podcast. Please make sure in securing any tax advice, you uh, lay out all the facts and circumstances to your tax advisor. They study it, uh, do the research. You're comfortable with that person before you use any tax advice in any transaction or put any numbers on any tax return you file. Secondly, um, plagiarism is okay here. Uh, we're not writing any novels. Uh, we obviously steal information from the IRS and the regulations. I read a lot of articles, try to give credit when I can, but there's no unique uh, works of art going on in this podcast. Third, no politics. You can listen to other podcasts all day and night about politics, although sometimes politics does drive tax policy and the laws that are enacted. I'll try to cover that here. Um, again, we do tax returns and planning for people in our website. You can check us out at www.groco, that's G-R-O-C-O dot com anytime. Okay, so um, I wanted to follow up on last week's podcast that we talked about identity theft. And uh, I failed to mention that one of the first reasons or ways you find out that you have been a subject to identity theft is uh, you go and file your tax return or April in April or later in the year on extension. And um, um, you go to e-file it and it bounces back. It goes either you're e-filing it yourself through TurboTax or some other software or your tax return preparer tries to send in your return into the IRS and it gets a ping back immediately from the IRS e-filing system saying, can't process this return. Somebody else has already processed the return with that social security number. And that is uh, generally, you're 100% proved that something has terribly gone wrong. You want to go to irs.gov, look up identity theft. They'll lead you through a whole uh, set of um, questions and answers and people to call. And uh, you want to call them quickly. And they will jump right on top of it and uh, get you to a special group that does nothing but this. And ultimately, they'll give you a special tax ID number 
in addition to your social security number, once you convince them that you are who you say you are, uh, so that when you file your real tax return, they'll know it's you and not the people who scammed uh, you by filing return on your behalf earlier in the year. So again, just, just to point out, I, I'd failed to mention that that's how most people find out. They go to file their real return and it bounces back. Um, either you mail it in, you get a letter, what's this? You already filed. Or you e-file and you get a, what we call a, a reject notice. Uh, your firm, the, the, your tax preparer will or you will if you're doing it on TurboTax and uh, certainly jump on that. That's that's big trouble. Okay, well, last week we also talked about virtual currencies and um, how that on for 2019 on Schedule 1 of the 1040, it has a question that wasn't there in the past. It asks you to say yes or no, whether you receive, sold, sent, exchanged, or otherwise acquired any financial interest in any virtual currency. Now that's, that's about as broad as it can be. In December 2019, the IRS stated on its website that, I may get these names wrong, Roblox and V-Bucks were and are currencies. And they're used in popular online games of Roblox Robo and Fortnite. For examples of convertible virtual currencies subject to the Schedule One reporting requirements, so you're playing your game on uh, online and you're accumulating this uh, virtual currency, but it's certainly not like Bitcoin or some other uh, real um, uh, virtual currency that uh, is immediately convertible to cash is uh, deemed to be accepted in the outside world as, as currency. So the IRS recently changed its position because a lot of people here in the office and we heard from other of our, other, other of our peers saying, well, they can't possibly mean that my game currency is money, although even there are some circumstances where I can sell it to somebody, but it's a game currency. You know, that's not virtual currency like Bitcoin. The IRS recently changed its position, noting that its prior statement caused concern for some taxpayers. Yes, you know, you're... Your, your 12-year-old son was very worried about his virtual currency reporting. Um, accordingly, the agency, the IRS, uh, said that the transacting in a virtual currency is part of a game that don't leave the game environment. Uh, virtual currencies that aren't convertible would require, wouldn't require, would not require the taxpayer to indicate on his or her tax return that they were uh, dealing with virtual currency. So then... Uh, then the, the, the critical question is, is it convertible to dollar bills uh, or, or, or electronic dollars in some way? I'll admit right here, I don't know enough about Fortnite to answer that question. But uh, if it is, then there might be some, uh, some issue. Of course, the IRS, you know, they were speaking directly about Fortnite, so I doubt it's a problem there. But um, I, like I say, I've heard that you can build up a lot of currency inside these games and sell it to somebody. Certainly if you do sell it to somebody for real U.S. dollars or euros or RMB in China, whatever, that's clearly a reportable transaction of some sort. But just the fact that it could be sold, uh, does that cause a problem? And I think the answer is no. Uh, just don't do it. <laughs> just leave it inside the game and you and your your 12-year-old son should be okay. Okay, um, tax-exempt organization form 1023 must be electronically filed in the future, the IRS is uh, reporting here. 
effective January 31, 2020, organizations must electronically file Form 1023, Application for Recognition of Exemption under Section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, this is a big deal. This is, um, you're setting up a charity uh, for some reason. There's all kinds of tax-exempt organizations. Form 1023 is like 20 pages long and has a whole bunch of statements and and declarations signed under penalty of perjury have to be sent in there. And then you'll do a round or two of questions back and forth with uh, the IRS before they'll issue your tax exempt, uh, um, you know, ID number and say, hey, you're a charity. Uh, Usually you're dealing with a very well-qualified lawyer. This is not a do-it-yourself project to fill out your 1023. But uh, the bigger picture is is, uh, what's happening here in the U.S. and all over the world is uh, the tax authorities are saying, well, we want you basically to electronically file just about everything, everything. Um, And and that's because it... uh, it has a number of advantages for them. In fact, I wanted to make the stronger statement that as a tax return preparer, our mode of thinking about the world now is um, you should always assume that you are mandated to file just about every tax form electronically and you have to seek out authority in the instructions or uh, somewhere in the local law that you're dealing with uh, that you can file a paper return these days, uh, it's actually just the opposite. You have to assume, like I say, you have to assume you uh, uh, need to file electronically and only uh, like here in California, if you want to file a paper return, you have to go to the Franchise Tax Board website. You have to fill out uh, two or three uh, questions and uh, beg for a waiver, which they almost always give. But uh, you have to go to the website and kind of reach out to them and touch them, which you really don't want to do too often, and say, I'm sending in a paper return. Uh, and the, re- the reason they're, they're pushing on this is, is it allows them to have fewer employees. Um, they, they aren't getting paid. And when they get a paper return, it takes quite a while for them to key punch that in. In fact, the IRS has a procedure where they key punch your return in twice by two different people. And then they get an error report where the key punching of the two people didn't match up. And then the two people have to sit down together and say, oh, okay, I made a mistake here. You made a mistake there. And then they clear all the mismatches between the key punching of the two people, press the button, and then the, then the, 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 the finalized file goes off to Martinsville, uh, West Virginia, I believe. Martinsburg or Martinsville, not sure. Uh, as the, the one true, uh, you know, authentic... Version Well, as you can imagine, that that's take, takes a lot of time, and it did take tons of time in the past 10, 15 years ago at the Fresno IRS Service Center. There were f- buildings the size of many football fields. The buildings are still there, but uh, they're not filled with people with hundreds and hundreds of cubicles all day long. Keep punching in, schedule A, schedule B, line one, line two, and then again, having someone do it again, match it up, make sure the errors are cleared, and and then sending it in. So they, they want that. For, second of all, my software company, which, and I'm one of many, our, we use one of many different software companies. They all have to be IRS approved. They have to, always have to be approved by all the state tax authorities. And uh, so my software talks to their software. And uh, there are a number of different requirements. Before I can press the button and send that tax return, 
to any tax authority, we have to go through what's called diagnostics. Um, and the diagnostics uh, always check out, hey, did this row of numbers add up? Um, if you have a number on this line on this form and it says that number came from that form over there, do those numbers match up? Uh, it gets into even more uh, thoughtful questions about, well, you said A, B, and C, and usually people that have A, B, and C have the issue on schedule, on form you know, W, why didn't you fill out a form W, right? And it's trying and trying and trying. So um, this has really developed since I started in the late, um, um, late uh, early 1980s, and then e-filing came in in the 90s. And the smart people at the IRS have figured out, gee, we can make these diagnostics really be the first audit. We can make you audit yourself because if these logical things and math things don't tie out, which we would spend thousands of hours with taxpayers all over the country saying, hey, there was a math error, whatever. Now, because you're going to e-file, we can make the computer check that, you know, these that literally it's a thousand different uh, mathematical and logic questions. If they don't work, you, you're not allowed to send the return in. So you, basically your preparer has been put in the position of, of uh, auditing it. And, you know, there's a, like on a 1040 and there's certainly more on corporate returns and partnership returns. There's lots of yes, no questions. Yes, you have this. No, you don't have that. Well, if you said yes, where's the three forms that you're supposed to attach that describe what that yes was about? How come it's not there? Uh, before the return can ever leave and make its way to the IRS. So, so that's why they keep pushing, pushing, pushing more to have people e-file, uh, generally making us do more of their work, but they don't see it way, that way. They, they see it that, no, um, it's a privilege to be a taxpayer and it's a privilege to file a return and you're supposed to get an A on the return, not an A minus or a B or a C. And if we can ask you a thousand different questions before, literally a thousand questions before uh, the return even comes in, then their work is, uh, can focus on uh, more sophisticated ways of, of that people cheat and not having to deal with things like math errors and so forth. Um, uh, so again, always try to get an A, make sure it's perfect. So, um, now the tax exempt organization applications, which is quite a burden for the IRS. It's like, say it's many, many pages, takes uh, many months to, uh, to get, um, um, uh, processed. Uh, and, uh, again, without getting too political, there were issues in the Obama administration on certain kinds of uh, tax exempt organizations. Well, they want all that submitted electronically, and that's the trend we are going on, and so it's no surprise that happened. Okay, then uh, moving on a bit. Uh, here in California, we have this uh, Assembly Bill 5 that became effective January 1, 2020. We talked about it in prior uh, podcasts here. Uh, uh, that uh, b basically everyone who is not a CPA, a doctor, a lawyer, or a general contractor is uh, going to be a employee and not treated as an independent contractor. There are exceptions, but it really has to be strong. You really have to be uh, a business of your own. You have to have a contract with your customer. You have to issue invoices. You can't be under... Uh, hardly any of their control. You're just selling them a specific service uh, for a fee. And um, if there's daily check-in and, and all kinds of... Um, okay, so for example, you have uh, Uber drivers and other people who don't quite so much work for the company as an employee. 
there was also what they call Postmate Couriers for that company, I, which I'm familiar with. Uh, they, they went and filed a uh, lawsuit in federal court uh, asking for the, the AB5 to be put off, uh, to be delayed. And on February 10th, the federal judge here in uh, the 9th District ruled uh, that uh, rejecting the request of Uber and Postmates, basically saying that uh, California had the full authority to uh, do whatever they want in terms of classifying employees and uh, that their request for a delay was denied. Well, there have been so many uh, complaints uh, because one of the one of the uh, provisions of AB5 for freelance journalists said that if you submit more than 35 uh, articles to your magazine or newspaper, I mean, you have freelancers, right? They don't really work for the entity, their correspondents, they're, they're freelancers. They go out and look for interesting things, write up an article, send it in, and hope the editor goes, hey, that's pretty cool. I'll put it in the paper. And then you get paid. Or they can say, no, not interesting. Not interested for us. Go go and try to sell it to somebody else or try again. You you're didn't write it very well. Uh, but there was a rule in AB 35 that, uh, I'm sorry, AB 5, that said if you submit um, uh, more than 35 articles, photos, or other assignments of freelance media workers, boom, you're an employee. You're not an independent contractor anymore. Well, you know, as you know, as you may know, especially on the Internet, uh, I became aware of one person who writes for the Internet. I mean, you know, they're doing five or seven articles a day. They're just pounding these things out. So many, boom, okay, I made 50 bucks off that. Boom, oh, I made 100 bucks off that. Well, you know, so, so 35 is, you know, what, four or five days, right? And uh, then what has happened is the, new, the, art, the newspapers and the magazines and a lot of the internet sites as well, we don't want any employees. So what we're going to do is when you get to number 34, you're done. And then you can go submit to somebody else because we don't want the whole payroll problems and uh, uh, pay unemployment insurance, subtract SDI, state disability insurance, uh, do withholding. We don't want any of that. So we're going to cut you off at 34. And uh, so these writers, because they're writers, they're reporters, they're good at this sort of thing. <laughs> you know, they, they got together and um, uh, wrote articles about it. And they went to Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, a Democrat from San Diego, who authored this bill, um, and uh, and she has come back saying that uh, they're going to rethink about all this, try to get a technical correction through uh, to change it because um, it's obviously they they've now reconsidered it based on the people who have uh, gotten contact with them. The law has affected freelance writers and bloggers, even bloggers, who often go beyond 35 assignment limit, the 35 assignment limit, like in 20 minutes. Uh, before the law even took effect on January 1st, digital sports website SB Nation, owned by Vox Media, said it would end the use uh, it, it would end its use of 200 California freelancers. This was reported by the Associated Press on February 27th. So this, um, uh, we'll, we'll let, wait and see what happens. Uh, hopefully they'll get a technical correction through. Um, I, I didn't like the idea in the first place. Um, I think freelancers are a good example under old law that's been around for 50 years. Uh, uh, you're not provided an office. Uh, they don't tell you what to do. They can take your article or not take your article. Um, that's a really good example of someone who is generally an independent contractor under the old rules. 
Uh, but this is a, just as a commentary here, this is a perfect example of um, what often happens when you listen to the legislatures and Republicans or Democrats or independents. You read the, you you listen to them read what's in the bill. They're obviously reading most of it from the, for the first time. What's really happening is staff or the party leaders and their staff have written these long, elaborate things. Uh, especially if they think it actually might pass. They put a lot of effort in it, trying to get everything on the Christmas tree that they want uh, for that bill to go through. And uh, even, um, well, I won't get into that because that's political, but often the uh, phrase goes, you know, we need to pass it so we can understand what's in it. (laughs) And and this is a perfect example. They passed it, uh, then uh, foisted it on the public, and good, hardworking people who are not trying to cheat on anything came back and said, do you realize what you've done? And so they went back to Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, who uh, thankfully is rethinking her way. This happens quite often, uh, especially in, in one of the biggest problems we have in the federal tax area is the 2017 uh, Tax Act uh, that was passed has a number of real, really big problems. Uh, again, not uh, going after one party or the other, but a large part of that bill was finalized in the days leading up to Christmas. And uh, the people in the House and the Senate were looking at their watches saying, you know, I, I really got to get on a plane in 20 minutes. And so here's, you know, a 13, 1400 page document and there's all kinds of technical errors if I'm a nerd so you wouldn't have known this but you know when you look at what they actually did it was in the press some of the the discussion of what the final bill meant was actually written in handwriting the night before for the congressional records oh we mean this well you know I mean uh, for example under Ronald Reagan when he got his tax bill through they literally had two or three years of analysis and thought and uh, what we'd call beta testing and getting getting views of both sides and trying to make sure once they passed it, it wouldn't be something that would be terrible for the public to, uh, one, understand, to file tax returns. Well, a lot of this last tax bill was done, you know, at two in the morning uh, with everybody eating uh, Hot Pockets, trying to stay awake. <laughs> and uh, and that's becoming more and more com- common than the congressmen and senators say, well, the, hopefully they got the policy right, you know, and we don't really care about details anyway. That's for the IRS and the Treasury Department to work out. So got to go home, got to get on a plane, got to see the kids. Let's pass this bill right now. And that's, uh, in fact, exactly what they did. So so technical corrections are quite common and, and very useful. The, the problem, like I say, um, sorry, I'm rambling on a bit here, but the problem with the 2017 Act is then the powers, the B changed, the House became... Uh, controlled by uh, the Democrats. And there's lots of technical corrections that we would like to get through. We, I mean, the collective we, not because of Democrat or Republican or any other political theory, but but they were mistakes. They were, they were written poorly. The comma's in the wrong place. It means something that nobody intended. Uh, uh, there's a whole thing I can get into about inversions and international thing. Nobody meant it to be what it is, and it's causing a tremendous problem in the international tax world uh, the 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 um, re- uh, revision of uh, section 954 b4 but I'll spare you any more of that um, so technical corrections are good the problem in the federal side is because the power shifted um, the Democrats now control the house they won't even consider them so mistakes continue on as the law and then as years go by without a technical correction everybody will say including the courts, well, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, 
it doesn't really work out on any of the tax forms when you try to apply it. But if Congress meant it to be something else by now, surely they would have changed it and they haven't. So the courts have to respect it and the Internal Revenue Service as exactly what they meant, even though anyone familiar with the issue and the technical aspects of the law immediately go, well, that was a mistake. They didn't mean that. They just were rushing for a plane. And and that's the sad state of uh, where we are on uh, many of the provisions of the 2017 uh, Tax Act. Now, uh, in Congress, they want to get rid of, uh, many want to get rid of the $10,000 cap on state income tax and uh, property taxes. That's that's a real policy issue between the two parties. That's not a technical correction. That they have to fight it out. But it wasn't in there by mistake. It was in there by intent. And uh, at least at least in this tax system, you'd like to see that it's that the words on the page and 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 what happens on the tax form is actually what at least one sided intended the the side in power uh, actually intended to be rather what we have now which is, um, as we see with AB5, people passing very complex, very intrusive, tedious rules that affect thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And uh, then they come back, oh, well, I really didn't mean that. Let me uh, do a technical correction. It happens to both parties, so I'm not picking on, on one. I, uh, I, I do wish they would take more time and, like I say, beta test, field test, uh, a lot of these rules before they, they do them. Uh, but um, be, again, because a lot of these bills are Christmas tree bills, there's everybody and their brother is getting everything in because because it's hard to get a bill passed. It's really hard. So when you're about to get a bill passed, because you have enough votes on your side, everybody gets what they want, and then well, we'll figure out the mistakes we made later. Well, and that's all fine, except everybody's tax return is due April 15th. You're supposed to be making estimated tax payments all year round. So you're supposed to have a pretty good idea in your head what the real answer is. Not, well, it is this answer, but they may change it to that answer. But let's see, well, we should pay. And sometimes, well, maybe they'll get the change in before the tax returns are due. And this happens more and more over the 30, 40 years I've been doing this, where more and more the tax law is reenacted for a year or updated for another year instead of leaving it nice and stable so people can go home at night and go. Uh, I, and, and for people who have W-2s and a house and a couple of kids, I mean, this, this is not a big problem. This problem more for our kind of clients who are uh, high-end, very complicated, not saying anybody's better than anybody else, but I'm saying when you have high-end, complicated, multiple businesses, a lot of these nuances are not, well, oh, that's a nuance, so maybe they could say it. That, no, that's $50,000 difference in tax, whether it's answer A or answer B. And uh, part of our job is to get it right. Got to get an A+, plus. can't get an A-, minus, right? So uh, I wish they would, um, as this with this AB5, and so forth, um, uh, beta test and try to make sure that the laws they passed are what were intended and that they uh, often, uh, just to stop rambling here too much, often, you know, you go read the instructions for a form and they're way out of date. And uh, we had a set under the last tax act in 2017 where they actually put out a publication. uh, I mean, it didn't even make logical sense. A lot of the big high-powered tax attorneys uh, we're commenting, geez, you told everybody to uh, do this on the form and subtract this from that. That's not what the law says. And, and why is that happening? It's because everybody's doing everything in a hurry, trying to um, do the best they can 
things need to be faster, better, cheaper. Right? That's the old high-tech saying I tell clients all the time. You're in Silicon Valley. You talk to people who make products. Let's make them faster, better, cheaper, more intuitive. I don't have to think as much. I get to the right answer quicker. Well, not taxes. Taxes are slower, uh, uh, more complicated, and worse. Slower, more complicated, and worse. Uh, just the opposite of what logic would say that a developing democracy should be aiming towards. And that's, uh, I'll take some of the, uh, in wrapping up here, take some of the hit myself, is that uh, accountants and lawyers sit there and say, as I've said before in this podcast, wouldn't it be cool if we had a rule that said this? Well, yeah, that would be cool, but it takes an Excel spreadsheet and, you know, 30 lines to figure out and two supporting schedules. So, no, it's not cool because it might affect, you know, two, three hundred, four hundred thousand million people who now have to do that. All you're trying to do is collect revenue for the federal government. We need a certain amount of revenue to run the federal government. Why do we have to put people through a, a number crunch torture in order to come up with the revenue to run the federal government? But it's because... Uh, attorneys and lawyers, we, we love complexity. We, we train in complexity. We want to see a flow chart that has 50 yes, no. Well, if it's not this, it's that. If it's not that, it's this. Oh, we get, we get a dopamine hit after figuring out, oh, isn't that great? Wow. wow I, I really made the world better by uh, going through this. No, we haven't. No, no. In fact, people who actually do things of substance and build products and run companies, we've actually made the world a lot worse. And so with that self-deprecating comment. I'll say that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll be back next week. Again, this is Ron Cohen. I'm a tax partner with Greenstein, Wilgoff, Olson and Company. We're at 510-797-8661. And um, uh, again, uh, don't take any reliance in anything you hear on this podcast. If you actually have to do a transaction or fill out a tax return, Make sure you get in front of an advisor, lay out all the facts, let them digest it, come up with a professional opinion, make sure you're comfortable with it before you do anything in a real transaction or fill out a form and file it. Okay, thanks. We'll see you next week.